It's contract season. It is negotiation season. And we have the perfect person to lead us through all the discussions about the possible contracts, the possible ramifications of not getting contracts done with key Vikings players. This is Jeff Diamonds, Vikings and NFL insider, part of TalkNorth.com. Jeff, of course, former Vikings general manager, worked at all levels of the Vikings organization, was president of the Tennessee Titans when they almost won a Super Bowl. He's been through all this. He's had to trade players he liked. He's had to negotiate with players he liked. He's probably had to negotiate with players he didn't like. He just hasn't told us about it. Uh, But let's start today with the fact that the Vikings just wrapped up uh, OTAs and Justin Jefferson did not has not gotten a new contract yet. He showed up. Daniil Hunter uh, wants a new contract. He did not show up. Uh, what do you make of what we learned this week, Jeff? Yeah, I think it, it's certainly, in my opinion, I think Jefferson made the right decision, and you certainly credit his his agents too in directing him in that direct in that towards that decision. But I think he made the right decision to show up for minicamp and and just be, partake in the meetings and the changes that Kevin O'Connell has has put into the offense. I think it creates goodwill and certainly it may not make an ultimate difference in his contract, but I think it helps the cause and, and just creates better feelings that he's there. And I actually thought he did more, Jim, in the mini camp than I expected him to do. I expected him to show up and attend meetings and maybe do some walkthroughs, but kind of be the hold in, which is kind of the new term for players who show up, who want a new contract are under contract and they do a hold in. In other words, they're participating, but not doing the full workouts on the field. Whereas JJ ran routes against defenders. Now there was not contact, but he's still running routes. And if I'm his agent, I don't want him even doing that <laughs> because you could have a non-contact injury where you plant wrong or something. I wouldn't even want him doing that much work on the field. I'd, I'd tell him, go to the meetings, do walkthroughs, don't practice at all. And he actually did run some routes. Now, he didn't do the full scale necessarily 11 on 11 with contact and all that, but he did a lot more than I expected him to do and more than I as, as his agent would want him to do. When he's looking at a $30 million a year plus deal, I think that's very risky on his part. And, and he even said after in his, in his media session that he plans on doing everything in, in training camp, whether his contract is done or not. Well, he, he's a confident young guy. We know that. And, and he's a very mature player. I think he made the right decision to show up, but I'm, I'm not sure he should be doing as much as he is on the field. Now, for Daniil Hunter, I think – Conversely, it's the wrong decision not to show up. When the team is installing a new defense under Brian Flores, the defense coordinator, now, yeah, Hunter's a whatever eight-year vet. There's plenty of time to catch up in training camp. But I think it would show good faith on his part to at least attend the mini camp, limit his involvement, don't practice on the field, but, but be in the meetings so you know what's going on. And especially with this new defense where there's a lot of different nuances with a much more aggressive role for the defense, the defenders. And so I, I think it's, it's really interesting to see the different approaches. And I would just say that Jefferson made the right choice and his agents and Hunter made the wrong choice because it just, as a, as a former GM, as a former president, I would say 
it would irritate me that the player didn't at least think enough of the team to show up, especially with the new defense being installed. Now, is that going to kill the chances for him to get a new contract? No, because he's still so important to this defense. He's clearly their best pass rusher. He's one of the proven people on the defense. And he, he showed last year he, he was recovered from the neck and the pec injuries that he's had. But again, it, it's a complicated situation because of his injury history. And the Vikings, I'm sure, want to include a bunch of roster, active roster bonuses, maybe a million dollars plus in roster bonuses or more to make sure he's on the field to max out the deal. And I'm sure he's resisting that, and his agent is also. So it, it's a complicated deal. But, but as we've talked before, and we can talk again, after the Vikings released Alvin Cook, freed up $9 to $11 million, and now they have over $19 million of cap room, they've got enough room to do a Jefferson extension and a Hunter extension and still be under the, the cap limits when the, team, when the league goes from top 51 players that that count against the cap now to all the players counting, including injured players, including the 53 man roster come September. So they're in, I think good enough cap shape that they don't have to address Kirk Cousins contract, which apparently they don't want to do right now, other than when they did the minor restructure, but they're not, I think at this point, I don't think Quasi, Adolfo Menza and even Kevin O'Connell are necessarily looking to ex- extend Cousins' contract beyond this year. And he even said as much that he doesn't expect that to happen, that the, he doesn't expect contract talks to take place until next March. So the pressure's on Kirk to have a big year, which he did last year until that last play, Jim. <laughs> You're never going to get over that last play, are you, Jeff? No, I'm not going to get over that last <laughs> play. He, he had to throw up. Something to, to Jefferson, just give him a chance, as he did in the Buffalo game, and to do the check down to Hawkinson. Oh, the, you could just hear the entire Vikings nation, including O'Connell, the air went out of the Cousins balloon at that point. And uh, even after eight comeback from come from behind victories, and, and he had such a great year, it was just so sad that that's the way it ended. It, it would have been much better for Kirk if he threw an interception intended for Jefferson on that last play. <laughs> I think with the right combination of rest therapy and medication, we can get you over this, Jeff, but it might take a while. <laughs> well, it, it's taken me what, um, almost, uh, 25 years to get over Gary Anderson's missed kick against Atlanta. So <laughs> yeah, but that one, that one, I can't blame you for that one was the, that one was the surprise ending of all surprise endings, except that it happened to the Vikings, which is the only reason it wasn't a surprise. Right. Although I partially got over it as we've talked before, yep. when, when, when we signed Gary in, in Tennessee three years later, and he kicked a, a 41 yard field goal against the wind in Baltimore to beat the Ravens in a wild card game. Then I, I partially got over it, not completely. <laughs> I love it. And by the way, as we talk negotiations here, Jeff has seen all sides of it. Obviously, he's been on the general manager and organization side. He works with sports agencies and sports agents. So he's seen that side. He also is now in the media looking at it from this side. So he, he knows where LB speaks. Let's get a little more into the Hunter stuff here. Reminder, uh, this is Jeff Diamond's Vikings and NFL Insider. This is part of TalkNorth.com. 
Also check out the Viking Update show for more of a writer's view on the Minnesota Vikings. If you like this show, that show, any show at TalkNorth.com, subscribe to that show at your at your favorite podcast app. It's free. It's the easiest way to listen. Thank you to our sponsor, White Bear Lake Superstore, WhiteBearLakeSuperstore.com. And thanks to our longtime uh, producer, Brandon Morton. Uh, and check out TalkNorth.com for all of our other shows. The Chin Music Show with Roy and Lavelle. Uh, we have Russo, LaPanta, uh, Malay, Krasinski, uh, all kinds of good stuff. Uh, Mike Grimm on the Gophers, Joe Anderson, Dave Lee. Check it all out. We do appreciate it. We even have outdoor content. All right, let's so well, how do you see the Hunter situation playing out from between here and training? Yeah, I, I think what's interesting uh, Adolfo Menza has consistently said Jefferson's deal is going to get done. And he's talked about he's a special player and, and it's not a problem. It's a champagne problem. Remember that great quote? It's a great quote. <laughs> and, but he has not really been as forthcoming with positivity on Hunter's situation. At least I haven't heard him say, Oh, we're definitely going to get this done. And we're definitely going to have him back. And, and of course that's because of his injury history and having missed 26 games in 2020 and 2021, but having come off a really good season last year. And to me, if I'm sitting in his chair, I realize how important Daniil Hunter is to this defense and that they've got to get, they've got to get the deal done. He made $20 million last year as part of his prior deal, having moved up some money. I think he should be in, in the range of – Guys like Bradley Chubb, Khalil Mack, Mack Crosby, they're making 22 to $23.5 million a year on new money. Hunter, I don't think, should be where T.J. Watt is at the top of the chain at $28 million a year, and he's going to be surpassed by Nick Bosa this year in San Francisco, who probably will be the first defensive end Ed Rusher to hit $30 million a year, even though Aaron Donald's already at that level as a, as a D-tackle. But I think Hunter should be in that around that twenty-three million a year range, and I think the really interesting thing is that they can get there without even increasing his current cap number, which is thir- a little over thirteen million, by reducing his base salary. That's four point nine million. They take him down to a one point one six five minimum salary for for a, a veteran player of his experience. They give him a, a signing bonus of, of say twenty million dollars on a four-year deal, so it prorates to five million a year against the cap. He's got old signing bonus and restructures on his on his cap number, but by reducing that base salary and doing the new signing bonus, they can keep him at about the same salary cap number. Maybe it goes up a half a, a six hundred thousand to maybe a million and a half by putting roster bonuses into it. But it's not going to be something that's so onerous that is going to be difficult to get done if they believe in him. And that's the big question to me. I don't think the contract's difficult. I think it's whether they believe that they want him and that they're going to put another $20 million in a signing bonus into him and expect him to play for at least three to four more years at a high level. I would do it (laughs) because I think he's that kind of quality player and it's so hard to get pass rushers. And, and who do they have to replace them? Well, Marcus Davenport, he's already replacing Darius Smith. He's coming off a year with a half a sack. He, yeah, he had nine and a half sacks 
in the past in New Orleans, but he's come off an injury. DJ Wanham, I think, is a good player, but has not been at that double-digit sack level yet. Patrick Jones, a, a good backup player, too. Without Hunter, that pass rush looks really shaky to me. And I think they can get this deal done very readily cap-wise, as I said, and not increase the cap number very much. But it's, again, dependent on if they believe that they can get three to four years out of him at double-digit sack levels. Yeah, they'd love to have the Daniel Hunter that had 14 and a half sacks in whatever was 2018 and 2019. But for sure, they want the double-digit sack guy they had last year who had 20, whatever, 21 quarterback hits. He had 13 tackles for loss. And as Zadarius fell off in the second half of the season, Daniil came on. And let's also remember, Jim, that when they switched from the from the 4-3 that Daniil had played his entire career to a 3-4, and he still produced this kind of season, well, he should be even better in his second year as a 3-4 player. And in Flora's defense, where it's much more aggressive, it will be more difficult to double-team him when the Vikings are sending five, six, seven rushers at the quarterback. So I think the, the scheme is better for Hunter. And having played, this will be his second year in the 3-4, th- I think it's a great situation for him. I would get this deal done, and I think it's, it's as I said, not that difficult to get it done cap-wise. The Jefferson deal, as we've talked before, Again, they can give him a big signing bonus in the $30 million range, $30 million range, get him over where Tyreek Hill got 25 to sign on his $30 million a year extension and new money. But again, Tyreek Hill's deal is $28 million a year total, including the year before his extension kicked in. Same thing with Devontae Adams. He's at $28 million a year. So I think they can get Hunter signed. I mean, Jefferson signed in that $30 million a year range. And again, increase his cap number by maybe three to $4 million. But it's not going to be a huge cap hit, on, even on Hunter. So you take another million bucks on, on Hunter, another $3 million or $4 million on Jefferson, that's $5 million bucks. Well, they got $19 million of room. They'll have enough money to then cover the top 53-plus injured reserve and do these two deals and not touch Cousins' deal this year if they don't want to touch Cousins' deal this year. So it's all doable. Jefferson is going to get done, <laughs> let's face it, and he'll get done before training camp. And it's not right, that hard to do. I always said the easiest contracts to do are at the top of the market, guys, because the market's so well-defined. Hunter, right. a little more difficult. Cousins... Sounds like they're going to wait. Right. Let's get a little more into Cousins, and also let's talk about Stefan Diggs. First, though, tell us about White Bear Lake Superstore, whitebearlakesuperstore.com. Yeah, definitely. Always excited to talk about the White Bear Lake Superstore, Buick GMC. My great friend, the owner, Paul Rubin, his general manager, Charlie Guttrell, their fantastic staff, Minnesota's number one volume, Buick GMC dealer, six years running with the best selection in their super-friendly premium team. Check out their great website. We always talk about WhiteBearLakeSuperstore.com, and you will find 0.9% APR on new GMCs and GMC Sierra 1500 models with a $1,250 trade-up bonus. 
There's also 2.49% APR on 2022 and 2023 Buick Encore GXs plus a $750 purchase allowance, 1.9% APR at GMC Terrains and Acadias, and no monthly payments for 90 days on most of these great vehicles. The Wiper Lake Superstore also is the Quigley 4x4 van superstore. They are a certified elite dealer. Only 7% of GM dealers make the cut, so visit in person at 3900 Highway 61 North in Wiper Lake or online at wiperlakesuperstore.com for all your vehicle needs and the premium experience. Buick GMC, we are professional grade. So to oversimplify it, which I am capable of doing, I feel like the Vikings' current staff and front office likes Kirk Cousins, but they're not in love with them and they want to keep their options open. Is it more complicated than that? I think they do like Kirk, Jim, and I think he they believe he should be in that 35 to $40 million a year range. I think where they're having difficulty is because how the market has shifted for quarterbacks. And when Daniel Jones, as we've talked before, when he got his $40 million a year deal and he hasn't done nearly as much as Kirk has done in his career, I like Daniel Jones. I like his upside. But he's never been a Pro Bowl quarterback. Kirk is, what, a four-time Pro Bowler now. And then you got guys like Kyler Murray making $46 million a year. He hasn't done what Kirk has done. But, again, the Cardinals are betting on his upside and that he was the number one overall pick. And then you've got Jalen Hurts making over 50. So I'm sure that Cousins people are saying, hey, look at the market, and Kirk should be making probably $45 million a year. Yeah, we understand maybe he's not 50 because Hertz was the number two MVP candidate last year, took the Eagles to the Super Bowl, blah, blah, blah. But I'm sure they're saying, look at Jones, look at Murray. Kirk should be in that $45, $46 million a year range. And I, I think the Vikings are balking at that and not really excited about doing something like that unless Kirk takes them on an extended playoff run this year. So they want to see it in order to pay him at that level. I'm sure they're willing to pay him 35 to 40 right today on a couple of year extension because he still is a top, probably top 10 to top 15 quarterback in the league. So Kirk is a very smart guy and he, and he knows how to read the tea leaves and he understands. And I don't think he's fearful of, of playing going to the last year of his contract. He's done it, whatever, three three times before in Washington and it's paid off for him. And he, he's made whatever in his career. He's certainly not going to be hurting if he hits free agency next year, and he'll have plenty of teams after him. So he, he is not worried about it. I don't think he's insulted by it. I think he understands it's a difference of opinion in terms of how the Vikings value him and versus how he va- is valued on a guy who's got one career playoff win and had not a great game against the Giants in the playoff wild card game last year. Now, I think it might have been totally different for Cousins in that game if he had Brian O'Neill, for example, and if, and if Bradbury wasn't coming off having missed five games and had a terrible time with Dexter Lawrence, it might have been a totally different game for Cousins, and maybe he would have had time to th- to throw or the confidence to throw downfield to Jefferson on that last play. Who knows? But this is what it is today. Cousins understands it. He he admits it. 
He says, I don't expect us to be negotiating until next March. And I think that's probably the truth of the matter. The really strange thing he said, Jim, in, in his media session was, I'm, I, I hope that Dalvin Cook comes back. Well, Kirk, that's not going to happen. <laughs> no. no I, 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 would be, I would be very shocked if that happened. And nothing shocks me in the NFL or in pro sports ever. But that would be almost shocking if Dalvin came back because, again, they freed up the cap space. Unless he had no market out there, and even in that case, someone's going to pay him five million bucks, and, and I think that he'd rather go someplace else and come back to the Vikings on a six million dollar pay cut. Yeah, I think Dalvin Cook would be surprised if Dalvin Cook came back. I just don't think it's happening. Where do you think Dalvin ends up? Miami has been the easy speculation all along. Yeah, I, I think that's the most likely place. And and yeah, there's been talk about Dallas. I don't think he goes to Buffalo where the, where his younger brother is. But that would be certainly a, a great story. <laughs> and, and and the Bills have been loading up, we know, on players. But I, I think at this point, they probably don't have the cap- capabilities cap-wise to bring another another high-salary guy. I, I, Buff- I think Miami is the logical. He's from Miami. They, they've got a couple of veteran guys there, Mostert, and, and they drafted a rookie in the third round. But I think Dalvin would be a good fit there, and maybe they then release one of their veteran veteran running backs and have Dalvin come in. Uh, that would make sense to me. Dallas, I don't know. It's a possibility. And, and then especially with Ezekiel Elliott gone and – Zeke is still on the market, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. So that, that that's interesting too, even though I think Zeke has a, has perhaps more mileage on on his tread than than Dalvin does, even. But but Zeke has been a healthier player than Dalvin too in his career. So it, it is certainly going to be interesting to see how it shakes out. No doubt about it. And we're going to talk about it pretty much every week here at TalkNorth.com. Again, subscribe to your favorite podcast app. It's the easiest way to listen. It's also free. Check out TalkNorth.com for all the other shows. Uh, next week, let's get into Stefan Diggs. Uh, he, he caused a little drama in Buffalo's uh, camp this week. Let's what get into that? him. I know. <laughs> and Well, I'd say I don't want to just pass gloss over it. I want to do a full segment on it. So we'll talk about Stefan Diggs and and how the Vikings got from out from under him at a time when it looked like Diggs had all the power. The Vikings ended up making the one of the greatest transitions in NFL history, really. Uh, so we'll get into that with Jeff. Thanks again to Brandon. Thank you for listening. Uh, thanks for listening to TalkNorth.com.